0: Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to the which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. 1 Timothy 6, verse 12. This is the Essential Bible Studies
1: podcast. My name is Tim Young. And I'm
0: Brian Alexander.
1: I want to welcome you back to another podcast. This is our fourth part in our studies in faith. And we're going to be focusing more on the faith this time, looking at faith as a collective sense of the word, how we're all to share the same faith. And I thought we would start, Brian, from where I started looking at this. Okay. Because in other podcasts, we broke down and we looked at where it was first used in the New Testament, where it was first used in the Old Testament. And I also like to do, I kind of like a statistician kind of guy. I like (laughs) charts. Do you like charts? I do. I I love charts. So, what I did, you can do this in Bible software. I counted everywhere that faith was used in each of the books. Okay. Okay. And then I found on the internet, there was uh, actually somebody who had done a word count and a verse count for each book in the New Testament. Okay. And what I did was I I graphed them out in a bar chart. So, uh, I've I've showed this to you before, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to put this chart up in our show notes. Yep, So, if you go to the www.essentialbiblestudies.org, and you find this show, there'll be a link in there, and you, I'll, I'll even put up the Excel spreadsheet, and you can tinker <laughs> around with it yourself. You
0: can make a pie graph if you, you want. Oh,
1: yeah, you can do all sorts of stuff with that, right? So what this uh, chart has on it is the frequency of the word faith or belief or believe that's used in each New Testament book. So, Brian, I know you've looked at the chart already, but if I was to tell you which book of the Bible – Mentions or has the most occurrences of the word faith or belief? What would you guess?
0: Yeah, I might think Hebrews because Hebrews eleven is right. is all about faith. Yeah, um, and I, I know the the Gospel of John was was on the chart, and and that was not a surprise because when you read through it, it really is amazing how much it just jumps off the page. Right,
1: and I think John. It says himself at the end that the whole purpose of him writing the gospel was that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ. And so John, really, he he has the most occurrences of the word believe. And it's interesting, like he uses the verb all the time, except for one occurrence where he uses a noun.
0: Right. Yeah, It it really is very interesting reading through the book of John, especially looking at the miracles that Jesus did. And when you look at the miracles, the records, there's almost always some sort of mention about how it caused someone to believe. So, it it really sums it up really nicely at the end of John, as you mentioned.
1: Right. Now, we said that, we're not going to be talking about John, (laughs) (laughs) but because John's a big book, right? So, I turned also around and I thought, well, let's look at it in percentage-wise.
0: So, does that make sense? Like, if, yeah, um, so proportionally, of course, John is a big book, so it's going to have a lot of yeah, mentions, but yeah. how many mentions relative to the size? Right,
1: like per capita. Yeah. yeah. That's where I have to know how many verses there are in each of the New Testaments. So, and then we count how many verses actually mentioned faith. And then in the pie chart, I graph that as well. Okay. And I was really surprised at the book that has the most kind of condensed uh, mentions it the most often within its its allotted verses. Were you surprised too? Do you know? I was surprised.
0: Yes. Yeah. So as you mentioned, we we looked at it earlier, and it was the the letters of Paul to Timothy and Titus, right? Which at first thought it, it wasn't an obvious one by any means.
1: No. So in First Timothy, that's the the number one. Twenty seven percent of the verses actually have the word faith in them, which and then. Titus is in second place with 24%. Mm-hmm. They are like way, way up there, and it's pretty obvious on the on the bar chart. That's kind of the interesting thing about doing statistical work on word studies, is sometimes you get surprising results and they really jump out of the page at you.
0: Yeah, when you visualize it, it's a lot easier to see the trends.
1: So that's why in this podcast, we just wanted to kind of focus when we're talking about faith, is why in these epistles to Timothy and Titus is it mentioned so, so much, right? So you get a little background in these epistles. They're great short little epistles that are really set up nicely for individual study for first time, if you want to delve into them. But these, uh, Timothy and Titus were preaching partners with Paul. They were quite younger than he was, and they would often accompany him on on preaching uh, journeys. These letters to Timothy and Titus were written later on in Paul's life. We can tell from some of these verses that Paul is an aged man at this point. Mm-hmm. So, it's later on, and he sent Timothy to a place called Ephesus, and he sent Titus to an island called Crete to set up brand new churches. And he's giving them an instruction on how to do that. So, that's interesting because there was – it's later on and there's been a lot of false teachers that have arisen. There's a lot of false doctrines out there. And Paul is is very concerned to give proper instruction on how to set up the the churches.
0: Right. And as you mentioned, because this is much later in Paul's life, he's already been imprisoned mm-hmm. and he's realizing now that he really needs to make sure that the churches, the believers are are set up for success, that they withstand the false doctrine that is starting to creep in. They need to have a good support system around them that that is all tied together with a common set of beliefs. So, this really shows us
1: that we can have a personal faith. It's very important, as we've talked about in the last three podcasts. But this is really going to show to us that the faith, and it's interesting to look at the definite article that's mm-hmm. used here. Now, in the Greek, they, they use the definite article different than we do in English, but when in the English, when they translate it, they'll often put the word the in front of faith, and that's different than faith, isn't it? It's right. It's really a different emphasis for us. So, we'll, we'll be looking out for that, right? The faith.
0: Right. Which, it is an important distinction because as you've looked at, we do need to have our own personal faith that we develop. We need to stand on our own in that respect, but we very much need to be part of a larger group Great. that is tied together with a common set of beliefs. And it's such a close-knit group, in fact, that Paul describes it as a family, a family in the faith or a family in the truth. Right. And you can see that even in the way that Paul addresses Timothy and Titus. As he opens his letters to them in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 2, Paul addresses Timothy and says to Timothy, my true child in the faith. And very similarly, when he opens the letter to Titus, in Titus 1 verse 4, to Titus, my true child in a common faith, mm. grace and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Savior. So the faith that they shared was so strong that Paul really saw himself as a a father figure to these younger leaders that needed to go forth.
1: Right. I think it's important, yeah. Notice notice that these weren't his natural children. They had a bond that that was the faith. And it's got to be true of us too, right? When we share a common faith with one another, it binds us together as a family. And we realize that our association together is not just a club. We're not members of a club. We're members of a family that we've been in, adopted into, and that's why we refer to ourselves as as brothers and sisters, right? Because we're brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ.
0: Right, exactly. And and Paul stresses that not only in these letters, but throughout his epistles, he, he stresses that that close-knit bond. And a good tie-in there, if you look at 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14 and 15, Paul says, I hope to come to you soon, but I am writing these things to you so that if I delay, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, a pillar and buttress of the truth. Mm -hmm. He uses that term household as well in another one of his letters in Galatians, in chapter 6 and verse 10. And he says there, so then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. And we're familiar with that term "household." It's talking about the people that make up the house, the people of a family.
1: Right. The thing that's interesting about that Galatians passage is the thing that holds the household together is faith. Right. Right. Just what we're what we're talking exactly. about. Exactly.
0: Right? It's it's the household of faith. That's that's what makes it a household is the faith.
1: Right. So, if we go back then to that 1 Timothy 3, verse 15 passage, where it mentions, he, this is the whole purpose of why Paul is writing to Timothy, that you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God. And he's referring to this household of God, he says, which is the church of the living God, a pillar and buttress of the truth. So, a lot of what we see with faith is matched with the truth.
0: Right, right exactly. And as you've looked at before, uh, terms like faith, trust, believe, all very similar, if not the same, words in the original Greek. And so the tying together of what is it that you believe, we all need to be believing the same things. That gives us that common ground, that that pillar. Pillars are designed to hold things up, right. to withstand the weight of things.
1: Right, right. So it's not just an individual responsibility; it's the responsibility of our church, the the body of believers, to uphold that that truth or the faith. You mentioned that word "common" there. I mean, he used that with uh, Titus when he says, "You, you are my son in the common faith." Mm-hmm. Right? It reminds me of another passage. It's in Jude. So another very short book that was. It's right before Revelation, and it's written even at a later period on. So, Jude, and it's in uh, verse 3, where he's starting off, you know, introducing the subject. And he says, Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, there's that word common Mm -hmm. there again, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. Now, that verse is, I think, very important. And you can see how it ties in with some of the things that Paul says to Timothy and and Titus. Right. That we have this commonality in our salvation that's, that's tied in with our faith. But Jude is seeing there's certain people who are creeping in unawares who are bringing in false doctrine and teaching a wrong way of life. And it's stealthily, he's saying, right? It's not something that we notice right away. They're wolves in sheep's clothing, as, as Jesus would say, right? So we have to contend for the faith against these interlopers that bring in a different doctrine than what was delivered once for all to the saints. right. So, he's talking about everything that's here in the Bible is what we should adhere to and contend for. And that word contend means to, to struggle, really to fight for it, right?
0: Right. It's it's absolutely a serious thing because if we don't do that, then as you said, the false doctrine can come in and really tear the household apart. Right. And if it's a family relationship, that's something that we need to keep strong. And as you said, the term struggle, well, Paul uses the term warfare, Right. In 1 Timothy. Right. This is a serious thing. This isn't something that can be done lightly. In 1 Timothy 1 verses 18 and 19, Paul says, This charge I entrust to you, Timothy, my child. There's that family relationship again. Mm. In accordance with the prophecies previously made about you, that by them you may wage the good warfare, holding faith and a good conscience. By rejecting this, some have made shipwreck of their faith. Mm. And there's the contrast. If we if we don't wage that good warfare, it's a good warfare. Right. Something that is profitable to us. And if we don't, we can end up in a shipwreck of our faith.
1: Yeah. I find that interesting because Paul was actually in a shipwreck. You can read about it in Acts, right? You would it, know what he's talking he about. You would know what he's talking about. When you read it, it's like the ship just is obliterated and just falls apart into pieces and washes up on the shore. So, that's kind of the the picture if we don't wage this good warfare. It's interesting. That's in chapter 1 of 1 Timothy. Mm -hmm. It's a very similar saying at the end of 1 Timothy. So, he starts with it and he ends with it. And it's in 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 12 where he says, Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which... You made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Right. So there it is. It's a good fight, right? And we shouldn't we shouldn't hold back or if there's if there's something we have to stand for, we have to believe that it's a good fight, and that we have to stand up for the, the faith and the truth as it was once delivered to the saints.
0: Right. And if you don't feel that, then you really have to question what is it that you do believe? Mm. Do you believe the truth? If you're not willing to fight for it, maybe it isn't really that strong of a conviction for you. Ooh, right. Good point. <laughs> now, he said in, in 1 Timothy 1 about those that rejected that call. Right. They made a shipwreck of their faith. Well, he goes on further in chapter 4 of 1 Timothy, again, speaking about those that that did depart from the faith that we're already starting to bring in false teachings. And really, he's saying that it's going to continue to happen. So they need to be prepared for that. Let's just read from 1 Timothy chapter 4. We'll read the first six verses. Now, the Spirit expressly says that in later times, some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared, Who forbid marriage and require abstinence from foods that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving, for it is made holy by the word of God and prayer. If you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. And there's our connection between the faith, the doctrine, the teaching of the Lord Jesus Christ compared with the deceitful spirits, the insincerity of liars. That's the false teaching that they were warning of.
1: Right. and So it's like a prophecy, isn't it? Because it says that in the latter times, some will depart from the faith. So we can depart from the faith, from the true doctrines if we're not careful. But we have to be trained in these things. I love how verse 6 puts it, being trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. So this training is this this exercise that is why we're doing these essential Bible studies to know what is, is right and wrong from the very scriptures themselves. You know, this here gives us some examples of things that would be departing from the faith. There's another example of it in 2 Timothy, and it's in 2 Timothy, I'm going to, chapter 2, I'm going to read the context here. It starts in verse 14. He says, Remind them of these things and charge them before God, not to quarrel about words, which does no good, but only ruins the hearers. Do your best to present yourselves to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed rightly handling the word of truth. But avoid irreverent babble, for it will lead people into more and more ungodliness. And their talk will spread like gangrene. Among them are Hymenius and Philetus, who have swerved from the truth, saying that the resurrection has already happened. They are upsetting the faith of some, but God's firm foundation stands, he, having this seal, or bearing this seal. The Lord knows those who are his, and let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. There's several things to note in this passage. He's in verse 15, saying that we should rightly handle the word of truth. Doing our best to understand the scriptures and to be an approved worker so that we might be able to contend with those, like he gives an example here of two Hymenius and Philetus who were teaching a false doctrine about the resurrection. And he says their, their doctrine was so serious, it would was, it was spread like gangrene. Uh,
0: that's Yeah, that's quite an image. Now gangrene is like, you know what gangrene is? It, that makes me think of during some of the, the wars uh, yeah. of people getting injured with shrapnel on the battlefield, and then they get an infection. And once that infection takes root, right. you can't get rid of it. You have to literally cut off the flesh. You yeah, have to the, cut off that limb.
1: The the tissue, the body tissue actually starts dying. Right. And there's no stopping, and it keeps going and going until you die. You have to actually cut off the limb. So, yeah, if you've seen some old war movies or like an old western even or something like that, and they have to like saw somebody's foot or something, and, and it's just horrendous, right?
0: Yeah, so, uh, for me, I'd rather deal with it before it gets that bad. <laughs> yeah. But if exactly. it does get bad enough, you got to have to get rid of something.
1: And that's how bad it is. I mean, that's the, uh, the analogy that he's, he's using here. Some other translations have canker or cancer, but it really is gangrene. That's the Greek word there. Right. So, they have, they have swerved from the truth, and they are upsetting the faith of some, as it says in the ESV. Now, that upsetting, uh, to me, is – I look at other translations – The King James has overthrow the faith of some, Mm -hmm. and the NIV has, they destroy the faith of some. So, upsetting, the Greek really means that. It means to turn over, that kind of idea, but the impact of it is very serious. And that's why I kind of like the word overthrow better, Mm -hmm. because it gives more impact about what's happening rather than... Or upset you know you can be upset about it. it's not
0: yeah it's a different meaning in our vernacular
1: now yeah it doesn't quite have the strength I think that it it needs uh, behind it so in this context I think it's just important to bring up that when we're talking about fighting the good fight we're not talking about you know being angry or yelling or you know, being full of pride, being snide about things, uh, making fun of people, those kind of things, right? Mm-hmm. And the reason I say that is because Paul, in this very context, tells us how we're supposed to deal with this. It's in verse 24. He says, The Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth, right? Do you see that there? So, that's opposite than our thinking, but that's the way Paul handled it. He handled his opponents
0: with gentleness. Right, and the goal always being to lead them to the knowledge of the truth. Right, exactly. Just like God doesn't want anyone to, to be lost. He wants us all to be saved. That's the end goal.
1: Right, that is the end goal while still remaining faithful to, to God's word,
0: isn't it? Right. And reading through Timothy and Titus, it's really great to see some of those practical character traits because he's, he's trying to establish a good foundation for the, the leaders that would need to continue in his place. Mm-hmm. And he talks about how we practically can contend for the faith, how we can fight the good fight and wage the warfare and in Titus chapter 1, he talks about holding firm. And he mm. says in, in Titus 1 verse 9, he says, speaking of those that would be a leader in the church, right. he must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. So give instruction similar to leading to the knowledge of the truth that you talked about. And it's holding firm. What is it that we hold firm to? We hold firm to the word, the trustworthy word, or that word trustworthy is faithful. Right. It comes from that same term. So we hold fast to that word because as you've looked at in previous classes, we know from Romans 10 that faith comes by hearing and hearing by God's word. That word is what produces and strengthens our faith. Right. Just to point out, too,
1: it says, to the trustworthy as taught. Mm-hmm. And he's going back again to Paul setting this example of the teachings that we're to hold to. It's an interesting word there, Brian. It's the word sound. Right. That Have you ever looked at that Greek word before?
0: No, I haven't looked at it in the Greek. I, I kind of you get the understanding of something that's sound, something that's good, right, and firm. But what's the uh, well in background? my
1: margin? If if your Bible has it, this ESV Bible has a marginal reference, and it says, "or healthy, healthy." And If you look up the Greek word, it's where we get our word hygiene from. Okay, so. Now, you've got good hygiene.
0: <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah, it's nice we and healthy, are in an enclosed right? space. You're so clean. That's good. <laughs> yeah, you're all that.
1: But it has the idea of healthy.
0: Well, that's quite interesting when we were just talking about gangrene.
1: Oh, that's right. Uh, yeah. Quite
0: the opposite.
1: So there is one of these threads running through these epistles, too, about healthy doctrine or sound doctrine. And this might be, we won't have time to go through all the verses, but if you're interested in this, yeah, look up this word in a concordance and follow it through. And you can see how many times Paul mentions it to Timothy and to Titus. But this brings up another point, because what's the problem with false doctrine? Well, as we see, it, it leads to more and more ungodliness. It leads us away from the truth and how we're to act. That goes back to faith without works is dead, that whole other podcast we gave on, on faith. Now, I'll just give you one example where it's, it's used. It's in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 13. Now, there's, there's a lot of places where he talks about sound doctrine through these epistles. But this, to me, is the really, really interesting one. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 13, where he, he tells Timothy there, follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me, in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. It's a very similar thing that he, we've been talking about, right? Follow these sound words or these healthy words. But here he uses the word pattern. Follow the pattern of the sound words, right? Now, this is where a commentary comes becomes helpful and I was looking at a commentary on this verse. It's on 2 Timothy. It's from the Christadelphian Scripture Study Service. And here it says, the Greek for pattern here is in the King James, the word form. The Greek is hupotuposis. Say that 10 times fast. (laughs) It is an extremely interesting word. This is what it says. It signifies hold to the model. A common experience in art and sculpture classes, where the pupil was instructed not to depart from the base model in recreating the image or in drawing classes, not to stray from the penciled outline when coloring in or when tracing the outline. As we might say today, keep within the lines. What an apt analogy for conformity to the truth. End quote. I thought that was really interesting, gave some background in that word pattern there and how the Greeks would have thought of it or maybe used it in other contexts.
0: I, l- I like how that really strengthens the point about following. We know there's a lot of other references about being a follower, but when we think of following a, a pattern as a, a blueprint or a drawing or a right. model, I think that really helps to make it a little bit firmer in your mind.
1: right. I think for this verse for me kind of establishes this idea of statements of faith that we as Christadelphians, we have a statement of faith. It's basically a a list of scriptures with explanations about what we believe to be the truth or essential for our faith and understanding. So there is a pattern of sound words that we all agree upon
0: as the faith right right and when we're just looking through these verses the amount of times you see the idea of truth or sound teaching sound words connected with faith it really does i think for me drive the point home that there is a truth there is something that should bind us together and there's sometimes trends in this world that everyone can have their own truth or people can All right. do as they please but there really does seem to be uh, a clear focus from the scriptures of having a single sound truth as a foundation.
1: Very good. I would suggest, if you're listening to this podcast and you're interested, is that you just sit down and you just read 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus all together. They're very short epistles and really won't take you too long, but you get a good overview and you can go through and just try to pick out these different things. So, first of all, we talked about how there's a family sense to this, that he talks about Timothy and Titus as his sons in the faith, and how there is the household of God, that's the pillar and the bulwark of the truth. And we saw these terms contending for the faith or warring the good warfare, fighting the good fight. And you can see how Paul likes to use military terms in that sense. But this this fight is a, a spiritual fight. It's not a physical fight. Mm-hmm. And we have to be contending with gentleness and meekness when we do these things, hoping to win the person to the truth. Exactly. Right? And finally, we've ended up here too, and look for these sound doctrine aspects or healthy doctrines throughout here, because we realize that if we don't have a solid foundation in the truth... It will lead, as Paul says, to more and more ungodliness. godliness. that sound good, Ryan? I think we've covered it all.
0: Yeah, great. Thanks for having me.
1: Okay. It's been great having you again, and I've really enjoyed the uh, conversation. If you're enjoying the podcast or have any questions, we'd love to hear from you. Go to www.essentialbiblestudies.org and fill out that contact form. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Like us there and join the conversation. It's easy to share on social media so you can do your part to spread the truth about God's Word. This is a Christadelphian podcast supported by the Book Road Ecclesia in beautiful Ancaster, Ontario, Canada. Until we meet again, dear friends, I pray to God that you may grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory, both now and to the day of eternity. Amen.